You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's Tuesday, July 12th, 2011. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Jimmy's number 43. And uh, we're missing our good friend Ray Dieter from the DBA Bars. Tonight we've got some good friends. We've got Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger and Ben Granger from Beercraft uh, here on the show with us. Um, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio. It's sponsored by GreatBrewers.com. You can learn more about beer. Check out GreatBrewers.com. And we'll give a big nod to Good Beer Seal. This is uh, New York City Good Beer Month. Um, Ray Dieter uh, was a co-founder of the Good Beer Seal and of the Good Beer Month. And every year, the last two years, uh, he would go down with me to City Hall and we'd pick up the proclamation uh, from the mayor's office. And uh, Ray's presence is missed. He was He was always the guy ready for a photo, ready to take an interview, uh, ready to grab a mic. Um, and this year, uh, his accident and uh, and death happened right around the time we usually do all those fun things. So we've kind of held back on some of the celebrations. But uh, th- today I went down and picked up the proclamation. And um, we're going to read from that in a few minutes. But I-, I wanted to give a nod to Ray. Last night there was a really great uh, New Orleans-style second-line celebration that went through the East Village. We started at DBA on First Avenue. Went all around, ended up at Ray's house on 6th Street and B, went back to DBA and partied into late into the night. Uh, there's a few old friends. One thing that's, that's you know, about a, a great guy who's like an artist and a hero like Ray Dieter was is the number of friends he has and the number of people that you would think of as uh, good friends. Uh, I think of myself as a good friend of his. Uh, we've been doing the show for a year and a half every Tuesday. We had dinner every Tuesday night, and we did a lot of other fun things. There's a guy, Jonathan White, from Bobolink Farms in uh, New Jersey. Every uh, Friday for six years, he came in. Uh, he sells cheese at the Union Square Green Market. He'd go over and have lunch with Ray and share his cheeses. Uh, this guy, Mike Cunningham, who probably for closer to 15 years, has been uh, taking Ray to Mets games many Thursdays. A uh, beer writer named Will Lube, who uh, goes way back, and he was at the Second Line Celebration. And I met another man named John King, who uh, met Ray when uh, both of their sons were two years old. His son is a friend of Ray's son, Maxwell. And uh, those are just a few of the names. I, I have a feeling there's about over a thousand of them. And um, I just want to say uh, thanks to all the friends of Ray. And um, that's about it. But we got we got a good friend of beer here, uh, Ron Lyndon Bush from Lagunitas, who was one of our first guests on Beer Sessions Radio. Ron, how are you? Welcome I to the show. I couldn't be better. I couldn't be better, Jimmy. I got a beer in my hand. I'm sitting here talking to everybody about good beer. What what could be wrong with that? And we got Dave Broderick, who's one of the leaders of Good Beer in New York. Hey, Jimmy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. You got any special events going on at Blind Tiger? Uh, yeah, with Ron tomorrow. Oh, yeah? 3 o'clock. 
Lagunitas night. Three o'clock. I don't know if I'll be up yet. I know. <laughs> you don't have to get there till whenever you get there. But uh, yeah, now that they've brought in a bunch of great beers, and uh, it should be a lot. It's always fun. Whenever Ron actually gets, <laughs> we actually do the whole event around Ron's schedule because it's so important that he be there. And uh, it's always it's always a ball. Ron, it's five o'clock, and you're here at Beer Sessions Radio. Yeah, 420, 420 was a little while ago. <laughs> I was able to make it. It fit into his schedule. So what special beers will be at Blind Tiger tomorrow? Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of defer uh, to Mark on that one, but uh, we've got uh, our, our regular staple lineup. I think we've got a bourbon barrel-aged uh, Imperial Stout. Is that right, Dave? Um, I don't think that made the... Our- we got, uh, we got Max. Mark, get on. You can get Maximus. Uh, uh, yeah, Mark's another rep from Lagunitas. He's here today. Yeah, we got a pretty cool list going. We have uh, Hop Stupid, uh, which is our Imperial Stout. We have Maximus uh, in a barrel, which is actually really, really rare for us. That's our double IPA. Uh, we also have Fusion 6, which is kind of like a rye IPA that we did. Not so uh, not so dry hop, but has a really diverse malt bill, really uh, nice beer. And then, yeah, like Ron was saying, our usual stable of uh, stable of tasty beers. So little something. A little something, something. Everybody needs it. And uh, and actually, I wanted to. I don't know if this is a rumor, if it was true, but um, did you actually make a hop tarted beer? Uh, we didn't actually end up calling it that. Ah, <laughs> you know, we, it was we, such a good story. It, it really bounced around the brew house for a little while, and uh, I think uh, I think I might have been the one to squash it. Actually, I hate to admit that, but uh, sometimes reason calls. So at Lagunitas, you guys have, have had some controversial uh, names, uh, labels, haven't you? Oh, you know, we get shut down by the ATF pretty much on every label we submit for the, on the first pass, and we come up with a secondary name and a third name. What, what were some of the more outrageous ones that didn't pass? Uh, well, for for some reason, they didn't uh, they didn't like the word chronic. We we called a beer the chronic, and I, I don't know why they didn't like that, but they said it had something to do with marijuana. I'm not sure. And the, your your censored uh, copper ale. Well, that was at the, underneath. That is the chronic, That's and we still chronic. call it the chronic. Most people do, but uh, we, we we censored it and sent it back to the ATF, and they approved it. And you know, far be it from us to get Janet Reno on our case, and all of a sudden it'd be like Waco, Ruby Ridge, and Petaluma. You know, we don't <laughs> want that. So, all right. And we also have we have Ben here, Ben Granger from Beercraft. He's one of the newest uh, Good Beer Seal bars. Welcome to the group, Ben. Hey, Jimmy. How's it going? Good, man. Uh, do you have any um, really great Lagunitas beers that, that you sell at Beercraft right now? Uh, yeah. I mean, everything that's bottled, anything that comes in a bottle is on the shelf at Beercraft. Uh, I mean, Lagunitas is one of our top sales, one of our biggest sellers. Um, I mean, there's little something. We had little something extra. We had little something wild. We had, uh, I mean, we got Maximus. We got the IPA. We got the Czech Pills. We got, you know, the Pale Ale. The Dogtown Pale Ale, outstanding. One of the best session beers out there right now. Bright, fruity. I love that beer. But, yeah, we got we got piles of Lagunitas beer. Yeah, you guys, sure. were, they, you guys were one of the first ones to get onto it when we first came to New York, man. So thanks for that. Well, We never forget who brought us to the dance. It's, it's, it's pretty easy. It's good liquid. So, I mean... I'm sitting here with a couple of people that did that. I think Dave was might might have been the first one we danced with. I'm still recovering from the first time you came to visit. <laughs> Dave, how do you? I mean, Blind Tiger has so many great beer events. How do you go about uh, planning and booking these events? And, and you always have this extensive lineup of of the great beers. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it uh, we start. You know, we we try to um, give each brewery a, a week uh, during the year and let them know as far in advance as we can, so that they can save some stuff. And uh, and then probably like two months before the event, we'll we'll contact them and just sort of see what they've got and what what might be coming in, and start talking about it, and 
And uh, but yeah, it's definitely a process. And we're actually gonna cut back. Uh, we're gonna really go to sort of a, a core group, I think, next year, just because it's you know it just gets harder and harder to to put these things on and stuff. So um, yeah, but uh, we we kind of know who that core group is. And is it true that Blind Tiger gets beers that no other bar can get? I don't know about that. Jimmy's Forty Three seems to do pretty good. We don't get bar- beers that no one can get. <laughs> um, maybe if I bring them in illegally. No, I don't know. <laughs> we were going to make a batch of beer and just make one bottle of it. That's you know, right. Just call it the that's, scarcity beer. That's what you beer. do for Blind Tiger. <laughs> and what about beer craft? Do you guys ever have the situation where you feel like, do you ever ask for beers that no one else can get? Or oh, yeah, all real the time. I mean, I think, it's, I think it's part of the game. It's like asking for stuff. I think the, the thing is, is ask with a smile. When it doesn't show up, don't get bent. That's as simple as that, you know? Ask for cool stuff. If you get it, awesome. You got it. You get to taste it. You get to drink it. You get to share it with everybody else. If it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't come in, you don't get it, eh. There's, there's plenty of beer out there. There's actually a lot of beer out there. Are there some uh, really rare beers that you wish you'd get your hands on right now? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, besides a like whole specific pile. Specific brands or labels or anything. Well, um... I'd like to. I'd like to see. I'd like to see more more Hill Farmstead in the city. Um, I'd like to see. Everybody would like to see Russian River. Um, every third customer I get would like to see Russian River. Um, you know, I would love to see Bells in New York. I think these are all. Th- these are all. These are all guys that I'm sure we're all probably on the same page with. Um, you know, I'd like to see. Uh, I'd like to see Dark Horse, but that's. Who knows? Midnight Sun. Mm, Midnight Sun. Yeah, that's that. Heard, yeah, I know. I heard rumors too. Yeah, I heard. Are we allowed? To, are we allowed? We're not, no, we're not allowed. allowed to we're not allowed to talk about no, that. Okay. no rumors. <laughs> I've been to their brewery in just, Alaska and they party. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's why we're so excited. Well, they should bring some of it to New York and party. That's right. Well, as soon as as soon as Ron said party, he started smiling. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here with Mr. Party. Ron Lindenbush. It's, it's it's hard to drop old habits, Jimmy. Is that your official title? Uh, my official title's Beer Weasel, but I'm still not sure 16 <laughs> years into it what the hell that means. So when I go out to Lagunitas, one day I will. I haven't done it yet. Um, there's some fun things at the brewery. Uh, what's the skunk train? Uh, we didn't name it. I want to start with saying that. because, uh, But it, it's, uh, it's a train that rides out from Willits up in Mendocino County out through the Redwood Forest. And uh, we've been renting it out every year for about 10 years. After uh, They do it the Saturday after Labor Day. Fill it up with a bunch of kegs, a bunch of beer drinkers, a couple of bands, and head out through the Redwoods and have a big barbecue picnic party out in the middle of, the, in the middle of nowhere. It's pretty cool. And uh, the skunk train was named because uh, it was a diesel uh, diesel engine back in the day when they were first starting, and they thought it stunk. So it has nothing to do with what goes on on the train. And what goes on on the skunk train stays on the skunk train, by the way. That's a West Coast vibe. <laughs> Dave, weren't you out there last year for one of the beer events or something? Uh, well, I went to Crap Brewers Conference Crap in San Francisco, yeah. And, uh, but I, unfortunately, I didn't get to the brewery. And... Uh, and I really wish I had because I wanted to see the new beer sanctuary. Anything called the beer sanctuary, you have to visit. Mm. What's, you know? a, what's that? And there's like, and the thing about the beer sanctuary, uh, picking up on what Ben said, is that they've got a lot of one off. Like Lagunitas does, you know, they let their brewers have fun because they're all about fun. And uh, they get to do a lot of one offs that never make it out of the marketplace, but go on draft there at the uh, beer sanctuary. And so I was reading through that list and I was like, man, oh, man. I got to go out there. Yeah, it's kind of like a place of worship. 
There's a religious aspect. Okay, and Rod smiling. <laughs> it's more of a it's more of a dirty grin, Jimmy. But, but we we have to get Jimmy into the saddle in the old rec room. Yeah, we got two of them now. Two of them. Yeah. Oh, we, got two we can ride together, Jimmy. That's right. What's that? There's a saddle at the bar in the old rec room. That's what, that used to be their tasting room. Their un, I guess a sort of official unofficial tasting room. No, it still is. It's and our it's, it's our break room. That's yeah. where we drink. That's where the yeah, exactly. That's where the employees staff drinks. It's like a, a bull saddle or something. But it's, it, they're just they're they're horse saddles that were mounted onto a keg, onto a frame and we got this local artist that made a couple for us. They're kind of Wow. So those are the seats. It's yeah, it's Yahoo. Wow. There's know, only you know. two so far. We're we're looking for him to commission more, but he's kind of slow. He's done two in like 8 years, so I'm not I'm going to add that to the list. Of places Ray Dieter should have gone before he died. No doubt about it, man. I For wish you, he would have. Yeah, here's to Ray. He was he was also one of those first guys that brought us to the oh, game. Yeah. Let's make a little toast to Ray and uh, Ben here. Ben Granger's. He's got in his hand a copy of the proclamation from Mayor Bloomberg, uh, declaring uh, once again July to be New York City Good Beer Month, and he's going to read you a couple excerpts, uh, intro and, and, and the end part. So you can get a sense of uh, the language the mayor's office gives us, which is pretty awesome. Every year they write something totally from scratch. They're talking about you know stimulating the economy, supporting local brewers and uh, small businesses. So I'm always in favor of Good Beer Month. All right, here it goes, folks. Every summer, New York City offers our residents and vis- visitors tons of things to do. You can picnic on one of our many public green spaces. You can bike, hike, and kayak in the fresh air and enjoy the free program. Pro- programming at our city's world-class cultural institutions. And for those of us over the age of 21, of course, there's always the option of relaxing with a refreshing craft beer. Mm. <laughs> From <laughs> This July Good Beer Month 2011 highlights the local beer industry's products, its contributions to our economy, and its ongoing de- dedication to environmentally friendly practices on Governor's Island. Cookout NYC will offer Beer, barbecue, and discussions about green building. Good Beer at BAM will pair more than 20 craft beers with food from more than 20 of our city's best restaurants. The Good Beer seal indicates not only great taste, but also a commitment to local businesses and the communities that sustain them. New York has a rich tradition of brewing, and over the past 20 years especially, our breweries have helped revitalize our city's industrial sector and diversify our economy. This summer, we take the opportunity to raise a glass to the entrepreneurs who are investing in New York's future, going and staying green, and making our city an event better place in which to eat, drink, and be merry. And how is it signed off at the bottom? What, is it, what does it say down here? Down here. This is the important part. Now, therefore, I, Michael R. Bloomberg, Mayor of the City of New York, in recognition of these exciting annual events, do hereby proclaim... July 2011 in the city of New York as Good Beer Month. Awesome. And it's got a for real signature at the bottom. Ink and That's all pretty stamp. cool. <laughs> so did, did you hear the story that he likes his beer on the rocks? Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard that. So. He said that at the opening of the new Brooklyn Brewery renovation, you know, the, the expansion. He's like, I like my beer on the rocks. And so, everybody just, like, stared at him. So he means at Rockaway. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Far Rockaway. Yeah. I hope that's what he meant. I hope so, too. <laughs> that's a good one. Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll uh, reflect on the Good Beer Month proclamation and our good friend Ray Dieter. And we're back on Beer Sessions Radio. In a pretty cabinet with a case, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. A building a remedy for Chris Job and Kennedy. And it's time of limitation you can't take 
Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm here with Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger, Ben Granger from Beercraft, and Ron Lindenbush, the Beer Weasel from Lagunitas Brewing in Petaluma, California. We're having a great time here. There's about 20 people in this room. Half of them work for Lagunitas. <laughs> How did you put this team together? You got Mark, you got Trevor. I travel with bodyguards. <laughs> he needs to. Just, I to can't. Make, just to make sure he gets home. Sometimes you need a little help from your friends. And Ron's still smiling. But Dave's got some serious questions for you. He's our roving reporter. Oh, my God. Super serious. He's been studying up on some of the changes at Lagunitas Brewing. Yeah. Now, I just wanted to um, have Ron sort of talk through. um, When I was out there the last time, 2007, um, there were a bunch of Germans running around Lagunitas, like installing the the new Rolex 80-barrel system. and, uh, And everybody was really excited and everything. And... And now uh, they're installing, I guess, a 250-barrel system in addition to the 80, and uh, so which is going to incredibly expand your capacity. And I'm just wondering, um, you know, how are you going to sort of absorb all of that and not because you guys have such a distinctive culture, uh, the way you run the company and and the way you guys all are personally, there isn't much of a difference. And uh, so, how are you going to pull that off? Yeah, same as we've ever done, man. Slow and steady. You know, we're just, uh, I think Tony realized that he's tired of buying brew houses. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this will be our fourth one and it needs to be the last. You know, it's like you never, uh, you never get rid of equipment without wishing you hadn't. So we're going to keep our 80 barrel system so we can make, uh, you know, 100 keg batches of different things here and there. And, uh, but the, the 250, you know, we'll, we'll grow into it slowly. This is really, this is, this is a 10 or 15 year plan. You know, we, we figured, uh, we've got an 80 barrel system we've been brewing on around the clock for, uh, well, since November, we've been going 24-7, and the only time we stop is to clean it up you know, once a week, just run some sanitizer through it. But, you know, when it's running 212 the whole time, it, nothing really happens, you know. But uh, the, new, the new system will be cool. It's just going to give us the headspace to kind of grow comfortably. And, you know, it's, uh, after, after being around for 17 years, you know, it t- took a long time to get out of debt. And uh, now the banks all of a sudden just love us. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what the hell? Where did that come from? So you Where get were to go they, right like, back into debt. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, but you know, it's, it, it's, uh, we'll pay it off pretty quickly. And we can pay it off just pretty much out of, out of the operating business. We don't have to grow much to uh, 
we don't have to grow at all really to pay off the new system we just kind of stay where we're at so hopefully we'll grow we'll just if, if more people drink it we'll make more that's all i know so how many states are you in now uh 32 and this will get you to pretty uh, much all 50 we're or? going intergalactic dave <laughs> <laughs> i got my eyes on that space shuttle man I th- was that really the last one what the hell i was counting on that's that what they for say our until the lagunita space shuttle takes off <laughs> i might have to might have to buy that franchise who who owns that stuff that's <laughs> true. Who does own NASA now? I mean, yeah, right. Space shuttle. I think we sold it. That could be the the skunk space shuttle trip. I know. I know. Yeah, would would take the skunk train to a whole new level. Yeah. <laughs> There's a really serious joke hidden in there somewhere. I know. Will they, will they let us take kegs on that shuttle? You think? Because that's that's the deal breaker with a train ride. It's like that's why we can't do the subway. There was a, a suggestion about doing the subway, but I, I don't think we can do that. With they won't let us take no, kegs. Unless on you there. buy it, they'll think we're terrorists or something. Walk on with a cylinder of pressurized liquid. Ron, did you bring any beer? I, I, I did bring a little bit, Jimmy. What else did you bring besides uh, the censored? Uh, we got a little hop stupid going on right now. Everybody got a little of that? Indeed. Yeah, that was, the, uh, that was our answer to the whole IPA craze. You know, we've been making IPA as a flagship longer than just about anybody. You know, we started doing it in uh, about 95. And uh, everybody said, man, that beer is bitter. Nobody's going to drink that shit. And I said, oh, yes, they will. <laughs> so it's pretty soon, you know, people are going, hey, man, your IPA is not quite hoppy enough anymore. There's all these other IPAs out there. I was like, what are you, stupid? So, uh, you know, we answered the call. So is it true that um, that Tony uh, still writes all the recipes and then hands them off to Jeremy, yeah. the uh, head brewer, yeah. basically? Yeah, yeah and like, for so, sure. So what is, you know, how does Tony do that? Like, what does he, he just all of a sudden, like, says, you know, we need this? Well, we all we all talk about it. You know, and we're, um, we're bringing back some of the, um, you know, the seasonals that we've done in the past that we really dug uh, you know you, you can't do them every year you got to got to you know come up with new beers but uh, you know when you did one 10 years ago you bring it back it's like a brand new thing you know so we uh, we kind of reinvented a beer that used to be called eye of the hairball <laughs> which didn't sell very well i'm not sure why <laughs> That's shocking. Um, hairy eyeballs sold but eye of the hairball didn't so i always say we didn't even bother with hair of the dog ball that never would have done anything <laughs> you know? so uh but eye of the hairball was where we quit on that one but it was it was about 50 percent wheat and uh just kind of a really tasty beer and we just brought that recipe back hopped the hell out of it with uh some of the new designer hops and uh, called it a little something something so some you know recipes come back around and you just got to keep coming up with new stuff. Were you pretty shocked by the uh, success of a little something something? Like I mean, not at all. No, no. You we, knew as soon as you taste it, you knew it was going to be that good. Pretty much, you know. We, um, you know, Tony nails the recipes. He just he's got a he's got a flair for. Well, beer that I like to drink, that's all I know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, uh, that we've always kind of held to that. It's like, if we don't want to drink it, we ain't going to make it. And, uh, do, you, do you want to tell the story about how you found Tony? And uh, what Tony was up to when you actually did find him? Sure, yeah, yeah. That was a that was one of those days, you know, when there's paths that cross, and it was uh, the coolest thing. I go and I was helping run a little distributorship, but uh, we just sold craft beer only. It started in '91, <clears throat> and um, a couple of years into it, we my, my buddy that owned the company sold it, and uh, the jackass that bought it was well. I wasn't going to work for him for much longer. So I started looking around, and as I'm running a route for one of our guys, a vacation route, I, I go to this bar, and there's a pickup truck, a Ford Ranger out in the parking lot with, with seven kegs in the back, and the front wheel's kind of teetering off the ground a little bit, and uh, and they say Lagunitas on him. I was like, 
the hell is that? So I go in the bar, and there's Tony sitting there at the bar trying to get the owner to, to think about his beer. And the owner was kind of a meth freak that really didn't care that much about beer. But uh, he was he was struggling through it, you know. But so I, I tasted his beers, and he was bulletproof. I mean, he had five beers that were phenomenal. And this is early 94. Nobody was bulletproof back then, you know. Mm. And, uh, he was and, just and yeah, and he had just been sort of like homebrewing before that. hadn't done anything really commercial at all. hadn't worked with anybody. Not at all. No, he uh, he uh, got a homebrew kit from his brother, and uh, <clears throat> what was that Christmas of '92? Made a couple of batches of homebrew and kind of liked it, and was in the printing business and wanted to get out. So uh, he just figured, what the hell? I'll start a little brewery, and uh, he just started making phenomenal beer right out of the gate. And I asked him, I said, "How did you get so good so fast?" Because when I tasted his beers, I said, how long have you been doing this? He goes, a couple of weeks. What do you think? I said, holy cow. What the hell? He's a fast learner. So I said, well, how'd you get so good so fast? He said, well, I bought a couple of books. I bought Charlie Papazian's book on home brewing, and I bought a book on the microbiology of yeast. And I was like, huh, that's pretty heady. Nobody buys a book on microbiology to learn how to brew, but uh, but he did, and he got it quickly when he understood yeast. Uh, well, it's uh, he's still writing every recipe. Jeremy Marshall's our head brewer. He's been there about seven years now, and uh, you know he's kind of sourcing out all the new hop varieties and working with our farmers now. We're we're buying hops directly from farmers for the most part, and Jeremy's heading all that up and kind of taking the the. Um, the hop flavor in in a different direction and tony's kind of letting him run with that but the base of all of our recipes is still still tony mcgee i think you're getting some hops from uh, john siegel right the, we are uh, yeah he's been on the show yeah john's a good guy yeah he's yeah. great jason peralt is another uh super heady grower he's just he's doing all these hybrid varieties and a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of blends and r&d is is his his passion so he's coming up with all all these new he, he invented simcoe I don't know if you ever heard uh, of that yeah. one. Well, you ever heard of Simcoe? No, I never heard of that. <laughs> um, and we're nobody start- wants those. We're starting. To, yeah, nobody, no, nobody not uses at all. them. And we're starting to grow them on the East Coast too. So you're gonna have to get ready. You're gonna have to start buying some of those. All right, all right. I won't have to fly with it anymore. Oh wait, wait. You're talking hops. <laughs> <laughs> we got that too. Don't worry about it. We got you covered. West West Coast flavor on beer sessions radio. I love this. <laughs> There's some funny things going on in this. First, we're drinking. What are we drinking, Ron? It's uh, uh, we got uh, hop stupid was going around and now it's a little something something ale. And what's little something something ale again? That's the uh, that's the evolution of Eye of the Hairball. It's fifty percent wheat, which uh, no beer geek has ever ever called before. I told him, you know, it's just that the wheat really hides in there. But uh, we use our ale yeast, and it uh, keeps the wheat kind of you know we, it's uh, it's filtered. It's not a hefeweizen by any means, but uh, that wheat just gives a nice little crispiness to it. And then uh, the, the hops that we use a lot of uh, way floral sort of you know fruitier hops, not the ones that are dank and kind of musty. You know, I, I really think it was one of the first beers that had that um, that flavor profile that you see at Hill Farmstead now and Alchemist and and, and some of these uh, Northeast breweries. Um, it was the first one that I really noticed that you know where it was like that soup you know like citrusy um, uh, flavor that I just love and now you're seeing it more and more. Yeah, those are those new hop varieties. There's yeah. a lot of lot of you know citrusy floral sort of flavors and you know a lot of people love hop flavor but you know most people don't like the the real bitter sort of flavor you know and some people do i mean they're out there but uh, for the most part you want hop flavor not hop bitterness and these new varieties just really give it that that really richness in the just kind of resiny hop flavors it's pretty cool dave the, the nose is pretty awesome on this too 
We dry hop the hell out of it. I mean, it's uh, same with Hop Stupid. Hop Stupid's like four pounds per barrel of dry hopping. It's just, it's it's kind of stupid to do that, really. <laughs> ben, um, you, you, you also do it at Beer Craft in Brooklyn. You do a lot of tastings, and I know you're also a yep. hop grower. Yeah. Do you have any tips for our listeners for tasting beer? For tasting beer? Yeah. For sure, man. Uh, even even if it's an IPA, let it open up a little bit. You know, don't don't let it sit there at 35 degrees and expect to pull, like, big oils off of it. You know what I mean? So let it open up a little bit and really breathe it in deep. You know, actually, when you, when you smell it, you're not sniffing it. You're trying to taste it with your nose is what you're trying to do. You get in there and, and give it a real pull on it. And, you know, the first couple of sips of it, let it sit there for a minute. Actually taste it. You know, don't just dump it down. Don't send it, you know, down the hatch straight away. Let it sit on the palate for a minute and, uh, and actually taste it and smell it at the same time. Really get a good feel for it. And that's, that's about it. You can throw it up a little bit. I mean, spin it around in the, uh, in the glass, kind of open it up a little bit, but you don't want to flatten it. So I wouldn't do that too much. Well, that's a good lead into we have a really great email question, and we've got between Dave Broderick and Ron Lindenbush and Ben Granger. It's pretty good. Uh, I would call us a little beer brain trust here. I think you guys would tackle any question about beer. We're Am I right? something. <laughs> we'll make it All up. All right. This is from LNP in Yonkers, New York. I'm looking for some good fruit and beer pairings for a backyard party this summer. Any suggestions? Ben Granger. Fruit and beer pairings. Well, um, Straight away, the obvious thing you know it comes up it is you know kind of the uh, the Belgian white and you know raspberry and blackberry and things like that. But um, if you take a really really rich IPA that's fairly dry but still rich with those Simcoe hops, those big dark dank hops, and line them up with our TriStar strawberries, the tri-state strawberries that are the tiny guys that are really sweet and really floral, very very good together. You get bitter and sweet. And the floral from the strawberry really mixes well with that kind of uh, bubblicious super fruit from that from from that real resinous hop. Yeah, and I and I would say also you can go the sort of the, almost the opposite way is the um, the sour fruit, you know, like a lambic, uh, a fruit lambic, and so you get the sort of the fresh fruit with the, the with the sour fruit of a lambic, you know, either a cherry or you know, a sure. creek or, or a raspberry. Yeah, dark beers can be a, a real, uh, a real nice comparison. Or you know, the, sometimes you're looking for complementary. Sometimes you're looking for contrasting. So when you go bitter and sweet, that's definitely a contrast. When you go rich chocolate, it's got that sweetness like fruit sometimes. And you know, it's like everybody loves a chocolate covered strawberry, right? You try strawberries with a really rich oatmeal stout, you're going to be rocking. And then the the other side of it is all these fruity hop varieties. You know, all these new ones that are grapefruit and melons and you know passion fruit. I mean, those all just have a flavor that really com- goes goes nicely with uh, with peaches, a lot of stone fruit, a lot of stuff like that. You know, the pears, uh, even you know, just you cook down the the fruit a little bit. I'd, I'd say, you know, I'm really glad you're talking about pairing fruit with beer because we've always thought that you need to eat the fruits and vegetables, smoke the dope, and drink the beer, and never really cross <laughs> in, so, in no know, order. Putting them side by side makes a whole lot of sense, but putting them in each other doesn't so much to us anyway. So you know, I'd, I'd kind of lean toward the um, you know the the darker beers and the and the fruity hop beers to go with with fruit all right well dave <laughs> that's tough to top i know that's <laughs> a, he, he always seems to just sum it up yes you know it's that's why it's ron lindenbush it's like what it's your 50th birthday 
It was. Yeah, I can't believe I lived this long. I would have taken better care I, of I myself. I saw the right? notes and I was thinking, <laughs> 50th is like 50th anniversary of Lagunitas, 50th, an- 50th birthday. Are we supposed to talk about that? Probably not. Nah, nah. It, was, it was pretty uneventful. And uh, <laughs> Although it lasted about a month. <laughs> you were on a panel about developing American craft beer export opportunities at the Craft Brewers Conference. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, you know, we, we've been looking at export. You know, before you go intergalactic, you got to go international, right? But uh, no, we um, we're, we've been uh, been looking into it. I think there's a, a lot of challenges. You know, when you look at taking craft beer out of this country, you know, we're doing things that nobody's done with beer before in the world. You know, and now you see Italian breweries and English breweries and and uh, Scandinavian breweries start to play with American hops. They start to buy American hops to, to try to get that flavor that we've taught them about now. And it's, uh, it's just a way different thing, but they still don't quite get it, you know? So what I learned really was that, uh, that we need to wait a little while and, and be really careful and make sure that everything's kept cold through the whole channel because I tasted a lot of craft beer in Europe that tasted cooked. You know, they just, they don't believe in refrigeration as much, you know, they, they deal with pasteurized products and we're not. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a, there's an uphill battle to fight, but uh, we're going to we'll give it a shot a little bit. And, uh, I, I, uh, we've, we've sent some beer over with the, this is the export development program that the Brewers Association uh, put together and they're trying to give, you know, kind of a vehicle to craft brewers to find avenues outside the country. So they're sending beer over to all these competitions and stuff, and we're all winning stuff, you know. So it was kind of kind of weird. I got kind of put on the spot on the panel because uh, the head of the BA asked me, he goes, so, Ron, you guys have won a lot of awards with these overseas competitions. Uh, how do you use that in your marketing efforts? And I said, uh, not at all, Bob. <laughs> I really would never, never dream of, like, bragging about winning a medal anywhere. It's like we just do it because we want to see what they think about our beer, not because we're going to use it for a marketing effort. You guys don't even enter a lot of the – do you send even beer to GABF? And we do because there's 30,000 hippies there drinking beer that we want to make sure they get a just taste of to make sure ours. they have it. Yeah, and, uh, but we are proudly zero forever at the GABF. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. We just, we're the most out-of-style brewery in the country, I think. That's what it comes down to. We just don't fit stylistic guidelines yeah so we still you know wear funny clothes and part our hair in the middle and stuff well i, I like your beer and i like this little something something is that what it is that's it a little something a little something. something something we'll take another short break we'll be back in a few minutes we'll be back with jimmy and mark from happy hour guys on beer sessions radio
following is a public service announcement from Heritage Radio Network. Tune in to Greenhorn Radio, hosted by Severin Von Scharner Fleming, every Thursday at 2 p.m. Greenhorn Radio is radio for young farmers by young farmers. Helmed by acclaimed activist, farmer, and documentarian Severin Fleming, Greenhorn Radio is a weekly phone interview session surveying America's cutting edge under 40 farmers. Again, that's every Thursday at 2 p.m. on the Heritage Radio Network. All right. Severin and the awesome Greenhorns. And uh, there's so many great hosts on Heritage Radio Network. Uh, I, I think at, at Jamie's number 43, I'm going to put a live feed on all afternoon. We're just going to play whatever's on Heritage Radio Network. I think I'm going to do that. I, I think that that's the next step. What do you guys think? What do you think, Dave? Think Have you listened to any of the other shows on Heritage Radio Network? Um, actually, I, I well, yeah, I did, actually. It, it's hard. When I'm up in Vermont, it's tough because my... Um my uh, internet is uh, really weak up there, but I just saw him stringing some uh, fiber optics while I was uh, up there this past time. So maybe it's gonna—it's about to get better. But uh, yeah, no, it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, I have listened to some of the shows, and they're excellent. Well, we're here at Beer Sessions Radio every Tuesday, and we're very proud to be on Heritage Radio Network. We've got Ben Granger from Beercraft, and he—he uh, he made a beer. Uh, tell us about this beer because it's really good. Well, uh, this is actually a collaborative beer between me and uh, uh, Pete from St. Canaris in Belgium. Uh, you'd, be, you'd be familiar with uh, St. Canaris Triple, uh, his brown beer, the, uh, the Potter's beer. Um, and this um, we did a, couple, a few months back. I built a recipe, sent it out to a very classic American kind of red ale. And I said, this is what I would like. I would like this kind of, you know, big-bodied red ale with some nice resinous hop character. And then we'll use your house yeast strain. And then I went there, and we sat down and went over the recipe. And he was like, well, how about we do this? And how about we do that? And I was like, okay, this is now a collaboration. This is great. And one of the best, one of the best like, discussions I had with him was um, he said to me, how about uh, how about we put some candy sugar in it? And I said, well, um, I've never made a beer with candy sugar. And he said, well, um, I've never not made a beer with candy sugar. So I said, okay, candy sugar it is. And then he goes, you get your hops, I get my candy sugar. So uh, that's how we came up with this uh, this uh, the uh, the red beer that we've got here called Grant. It's uh, an imperial red ale. Comes in at ten point four percent alcohol. Um, real uh, real dry bodied. Uh, does have a kind of a sweetness but it finishes nice and dry it's uh primarily american hops amarillos which the funny thing is you're talking about you know the the, yeah, the uh, european uh, brewers using using american hops those are amarillos that were grown in germany which is kind of cool and i mean uh, it, what we paid for them there was actually a better deal than what i pay for amarillos here so how did they get the Amar- the uh, the rhizomes no idea that Pete, I mean, yeah, they're supposed to be supposedly proprietal rhizome. Yeah. yeah, Pete said had said to me, yeah, these are these are some I found in Germany at this price, and I was like, that's that's better than that's better than what I pay. That's awesome. So uh, it was uh, it was good. It was really good. Brew day was great. Somebody's smuggling Amarillo. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's difficult. <laughs> Um, and this is your custom collaboration beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did this. And t- did tell this. us about San Canaris because not everyone knows about it. Oh, he's a, uh, Pete's awesome. He's got this tiny little brewery that's attached to his house, and it's got a little. Uh, he's got a little tasting room attached to it. Um, he brews like they they just moved, but he was brewing like only like twice a month. He's only got two two fermenters in there, and uh, he's he's kind of like what every well what a lot of home brewers really dream about this kind of idea of. He's just 
making beer to feed you know the community around him and then whatever small import you know markets he has in the u.s which are pretty pretty small he doesn't st canaris doesn't go very far how big is the system again did you say uh let's see uh, it was in liters, and I can't remember exactly how, how big, but I'm, by looks, I would say a seven-barrel system. So about 14 kegs at a clip. Uh, so, you know, pretty pretty small system, mm-hmm. pretty uh, pretty tiny. And uh, there was um, – it was it all <laughs> – Pete's amazing. A, a lot of it was put together from an old lemonade factory, and he previously worked for, uh, for um, Leafman's and uh, procured some equipment during the close. <laughs> Which was an interesting way to put it. Um, so he, it was kind of put together in, in an interesting way, but it was it was still pretty it was pretty rad. It was a really good time, and I mean I drank every, every day all day long with that guy, and that was pretty awesome. I mean we we I drank bet. a lot of his beers, and then you know we we traveled around with Alvine. Went to uh, went, how was Alvine? I've always wanted to go there. That bottle shop is serious business. I like you know I like my bottle shop. You know. Uh, and I'm going into this like, oh, you know, I, I own a pretty sweet bottle shop. Oh, no, 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 no. I was floored by what this guy has up there. He's, <laughs> uh, I walk into the bottle shop, and we have about 1,200 bottles. And I bet you he's got around, somewhere around eight, maybe 1,000. I look in the far left corner. I'll show you pictures later. And there's a whole shelf of American beer. Now, the amazing part about it, it it's all the beers that we want in New York. <laughs> so there's yeah. like, so there's somehow they're, they're there's, bypassing yeah. us. Yeah, they're going right straight to Europe, to Europe <laughs> which was uh, which was kind of cool. And uh, I met uh, Urbane from uh, Struis. We actually grind we ground the grain at Decca uh, on basically on Decca's grinder. Decca is the brewery that Urbane makes all his beers at. So um, we actually used his grinder to grind the grain because Pete's got a uh, he's got a, a, a small coffee grinder. That is like a it's like a hand mill that he uses. He shows it to the public and tells them that's where they grind the grain. No, no, it's really. no, it's like nah. it grinds like six ounces at a time, <laughs> which is good for coffee. Ridiculous. Yeah, good for coffee, not so much good for uh, good for grain. But um, we went to his hop farm. It was great. It was one of the best experiences I've had. I mean, went there, hung out, drank a lot of beer, went to a lot of really cool places, saw a lot of really cool stuff, and uh, it was it was a good time for sure. And made this. All right. So if we go to goodbeerseal.com, we can click on Beercraft and find out more about you. Yeah, sure. If I go to Beercraft, the website, they talk about you and yeah, I mean, your travels. And- <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's probably some talk about it. I don't know if there's a ton of talk about it. Well, maybe you need to write more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty, <laughs> a pretty cool story. <laughs> and then, of course, I'll ask the obvious question. So who imports St. Canaris into uh, the States? 12%. Brian Ewing from Brian, from, yeah. Yeah, from 12%. I mean, that dude's got a serious lineup. Yeah. So you can mean, check out 12percent.com and learn more about that. He's been importing for, I think, three years now? Three years, three yeah. Three years, and he's got a lineup that is just ridiculous. Yeah, he's got some all-stars. Yeah, pretty serious. That guy can pick beers, man. Yeah. He's really good at it. Really, really. Are good. you selling the collaboration beer at your store? Oh yeah, yeah. It's available at our store. We and we made it available at our store as kind of an exclusive for the first couple of weeks, and then it's available 
through 12% for everyone. So there is a guy who has a, a, a good beer seal bar store who actually sells beer that you can't get anywhere else. <laughs> and it's Ben Granger. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's you had to make yeah. it. You had to make he, it. he was dying to just say yeah, that. Right. You, know, you, like, you led me down. Well, he's been <laughs> going for that the whole show. I, I knew there was someone in this room that had exclusive beers. Yeah. And that's what we love. We have two other guests They just walked in, two of the cooler guys in the beer universe. Um, I only know them as Jimmy and Mark. And they're from the Happy Hour Guys. You guys came on the scene, and uh, you've made over 160 small videos of, of beer bars and other things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what they've been doing for the last half hour is they've been preening for each other's cameras <laughs> and taking photos of each other in, in this room. Well, and, and of you, guys. Jimmy. We've taken some photos of you every now and then. And yeah, I but, will point out we've also been drinking beer. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, you guys are awesome. They're basically here taking pictures of, of the show today. And... Uh, Say your two words before we kick you off. All right, all right. Before you kick us out on our butts, we'll, we'll tell you what we're all about. Um, we, uh, some people have called us the History Channel meets Oktoberfest. Other people have said we're the bar show with a beer problem. Um, <laughs> lots of different descriptions. We prefer to say laugh, learn, drink, because if you watch one of our shows, you're going to laugh a little bit. You'll hopefully learn something, and you'll definitely want to go out and buy a drink somewhere, usually a craft beer or a craft beverage of some kind. Uh, Mark, the hook of the show is that Mark and I are both Broadway actors. Uh, I did Little Shop and Spam a lot, and Mark was just in Ragtime. And um, we uh, we met doing a show in, in Washington, D.C. years ago and kept running into each other at really great bars in D.C., really historic bars. And we thought, hey, man, there's a show here. And that was Mark's idea. It wasn't mine, you know, because I don't have that kind of a brain. But I was the one who was stupid it's enough true, to he say, doesn't. I don't, he I doesn't. don't. I don't have much of a brain at all. And, uh, but Mark was the one who was smart enough. I was the one who was stupid enough, actually, to say, hey, <laughs> there's a show here. You agreed. Yeah, that, was, no, that, right. that was your first mistake. So, uh, you know, long story short, we, uh, we just posted our 180th video episode. Uh, and that's a lot of editing and a lot of travel. We've done 35 states 35, in the last yeah, yeah. three years. Uh, we really got to get up to NorCal and, and see Ron and all the guys up in at Lagunitas. But we've done a lot of Colorado. Uh, we're about to start a really big northeast swing. We're going to hit a lot of the northeast. Uh, we're going to go up to Vermont. We're going to be up in Massachusetts, maybe a little bit of Maine. New Hampshire. New Hampshire. So uh, yeah. we've, been, we've been really busy. And you mo- are you mostly hitting bars? Uh, bars, breweries, uh, a lot of craft places. We were just up at Finger Lakes Distilling up mm-hmm. in, uh, on Seneca Lake up there. Yeah. And uh, actually, our gift today, we, are, we were at, Mark was just doing a show. He was doing uh, Ragtime, actually, up in Ithaca, New York. And so we had to stop by Ithaca Beer Company. And our, our gift today, at least one of them that we brought, is uh, Ithaca's Ex- Excelsior 13. Uh, talking about the, uh, that crazy... Uh, Pass it on. Yeah. That, that Sorry, one, Jimmy. That, I got it. it. I know. Yeah, I got absolutely. It. And I'm not Which giving Jimmy? it... Jimmy? I'm not giving it back. <laughs> Dave, Dave grabbed for that one. I did, he laid himself out on the table. I, Talk about citrus. I, I mean, love Chief's beers. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, so we, we hung out with Chief for the day, yeah. Chief O'Neill, and uh, yeah, just had an amazing beers. time. And How that, did he get the, the nickname Chief? Uh, Do you know? I don't. Even you know, know what? He he wouldn't he, tell us. He, What's no. his real name? It's Jeff. Jeff. Jeff O'Neill. Jeff O'Neill. And what is he? Brewer. He's, he's the brewmaster. Yeah, yeah. He's the good brewing. He's the brewmaster. And they're actually they're about to do a big expansion as well. Yeah. Um, we asked him about it. They've been doing twenty five to thirty percent growth a year. Yeah. I mean, craft beer in this country, man, yeah. it's just it's blowing up. It's crazy. Yeah, and they bought an eighty acre farm. Yeah, eighty five. So it's gonna be a real farmstead. Yep. Another farmstead brewery. Totally. Totally. Which seems to be a trend, too. (laughs) And the one thing he said that we laughed at over and over again was that, you know, they have all these plans, and as soon as they move in, it's too small. Yeah. You know? Like, the capacity they're about to gain, they... 
everything they put on a pallet is already out the door. That's why you need a 250-barrel brew house. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron, Ron just cut to the future. He's like, he totally it. did. Go big or go home. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. The, the great thing about it, Jimmy, is that we, you know, everywhere we go, we meet great people. And we hear great stories. And we were like, man, we got to spread these around a little bit. we got to shoot some video and show people what this is like, you know, and, and introduce people to the people. In, introduce you know, people who follow us to the actual people who make these beverages and see some pictures and see just how crazy and wonderful it is in this world. And uh, it, it never ceases to amaze us how great it is. How many places have you been to so far? Oh, God. Mark? Uh, I, well, a couple of those episodes were, were two-parters. So, yeah. I, so we'll say... Approaching 100? Oh, no, I'd say we're we're over 150 by now. Yeah. yeah. And and what was one of your favorite places? Like something that really stands out in terms of... The Blind Tiger. Uh, You haven't even done The Blind (laughs) Tiger. (laughs) Fantastic. We love it there. Uh, Yeah. Um, You know what? It's uh, the little guys are the ones that are just the most fun because they're they're scraping it together with everything they have. Um, uh, There was a a place that that we shot in, uh, in Marquette, Michigan. Uh, which is where my brother lives. It's where I grew up, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, in the middle of nowhere. And there's these guys, uh, one of them lost his job as a drug rep, and they were like, uh, let's start a brewery. They've been home brewing for years. And the, the another community. guy that likes drugs. Drugs yeah. always. I was going to say, I'm not sure. Right. This, is, most, this is where drugs I get put, you. I put air quotes around drug rest. Description. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds very generic. So, but on the Upper Peninsula, they started. This, I can't imagine I there's a lot of legal drug selling going on up there. <laughs> By the way, the website is thehappyhourguys.com or happyhourguys.com. We bought them both, so come see us. Um, but good, the, good segue. Thank you. Um, <laughs> before I get kicked out of my butt, I know, right? Am I really supposed to be here? All right. Well, so, we started. Let me. I'll, I'll, I'll jump. Ahead. I'll save you. Um, <laughs> we we started, uh, and our our acting career was actually subsidizing our uh, our travels in the craft beer world. And and we thought that uh, we were looking for third places, which is a concept that's been out there for a while. It's yeah. everybody has yeah, a first a place and a second place. Places. Yep, yep. great good places by Ray Oldenburg, who we've. We've actually been in touch with, which is cool. He invited us to go to his basement because he, he couldn't find any more third places, so he started one in his basement. Mm. But everyone has a first place and a second place being home and work. And then the third place is the place where you can go and be yourself, and there are no expectations. You can just relax you know, and create the persona that you always wished you had. And a lot of times, well, through mankind's history, they've been cafes, bars, taverns, pubs. And, and we wanted to find out more about that, so we started exploring as we were traveling around the country. And it kept leading us back to craft beer yeah. over and over and over again. I mean, yeah. really cool craft beer. People who were making stuff, you know, over and over again, we hear the phrase, we'd make this because that's what we like to drink. You know, we don't make it for anybody else. We make it for us. And then everybody just comes running. You know, I mean, the, I rem- the first time I had that conversation was with the guys at Founders in Grand Rapids. You know, um, I'm sitting there with them and they're like, yeah, we opened a brew pub and it was losing money hand over fist and we couldn't make any money. So finally we were like, you know what, let's just make what we want to drink. And they went to their investors and said, OK, we want to make beers that cost like twice as much to make. Uh, you're not going to get as much money back. And, uh, you know, and nobody wants and it. nobody wants yeah. it. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to go out punching. And they made them, and everything just exploded. And Adam you know? Avery told us the exact same, same story. Same thing. Exact same story. He was going down, and he just decided to go down doing what he loved doing. Right. You and know he, what's and amazing made- about a store like Beercraft is that 
you mentioned the beer. And Ben Granger pulls it out. He's got a founders here with him. What the? Oh, and this, this is, was not rehearsed. Okay, this this is great. This, I actually had this conversation with with one of them. This is this is the Devil Dancer Triple IPA. Yeah. And the only reason it's a triple IPA was because he was like, "Yeah, we got tired of calling it a double." So we were like, "Well, let's see. Everybody's pulling their thing out and getting it measured. So we'll just put triple on the bottle." Because nobody checks. Exactly. <laughs> And but it's, yeah. it's that kind of stuff. It's that kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know almost a pioneering spirit yeah. and, and a devil-may-care attitude. And, you know, we, we also shoot wineries and distilleries as well. We don't really discriminate against any beverage. Um, but but wineries, have- in the wine world, there's so many rules. And in the beer world, there are no rules. Everybody's just doing I stuff. I actually think that, the wine why, world that's is... That's why wine has no future. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dead beverage. <laughs> They're, they're actually they're learning from the craft beer industry right now, which is really cool. They're starting to take their cues from what they people are. are doing in the craft beer industry. They are. And they're starting to relax a little bit, you know, because for so long it was you had to do things a certain way. And, uh, and now they're looking at the success and the explosion that's going on in the craft beer world. And, uh, yeah, and they're I mean, learning a lesson, you know, for the first time in a long time. Craft beer is going intergalactic. They want some of that. <laughs> Who wouldn't want some of that? I, I think the automotive industry is looking at craft beer at this point. <laughs> I think like, everybody is. Uh, this is a great room, What about, could, could you have a, like a great mini room. brewery built into your, your back? Instead of like food trucks, you could have a beer truck? Could you, could you, yeah, I think right. there's I think there's anything and everything going on. Yeah. Portable brewery. These well, these guys in in Michigan they started this thing and they had like seven tire four tiny little fermenters and they were so the community found out about them they were so popular they started running out of beer and we went there to shoot the episode and they were like we wish we had a beer for you but we don't we're out we won't have any till Friday you know I mean it's literally they open the doors people flood in buy everything and then and so when we got there they were they'd been open for eight months and they were in the in year three of their third their three year plan. And they were like, uh, "That's no, scary." Now what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Is there Hold a fourth, fourth year plan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, back to the drawing board. But it's just we see it yeah. everywhere. I mean, Chief Jeff O'Neill at, at Ithaca is like you know twenty five to thirty percent a year. Find another industry where a bad year is twenty percent growth a year. Mm. Uh, you're not going to find it. Not in the United States, I don't think. So. And we just again, we were just up in the Ithaca area. I was up in the Ithaca area, and. Uh, I was up for found, like three days. Yeah, it doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> uh, found a little place on uh, on Seneca Lake. Uh, two goats brewing. He he's a home brewer. Had some good ideas and and opened this place on the one of the most beautiful spots I've ever seen. Gorgeous. And uh, and you know his community is embracing him already, and he he he's having more success than he knows what to do with. So mm-hmm. we, we see that, that all over the we country. We see it over and over again. We we can't wait to tell the story about craft beer, and that's just what we're about. That's what we do. So. Well, you guys are awesome. Everyone in this room has been here before, and you'll all be back. Um, we've got a lot, lot more shows planned. And July Good Beer Month is in full swing, and there are some great events and specials offered at Good Beer Seals Bar this month. Dave, what's going on at Blind Tiger? we got Ron and Trevor and Mark uh, at the uh, Blind Tiger for Lagunitas Night. Nice. All right. Anything at Beercraft the next couple of weeks, Ben? Well, uh, we've got a tasting every Tuesday and a, tutor- a tutorial tasting every Tuesday, which will be led by uh, the Dr. Burke. And uh, we'll <clears throat> also be having draft events on every Thursday of the month during all of Good Beer Month. 
All right, and uh, I myself, I'll be at WNYC's Green Space this Friday night for Craft Beer Jam. I actually heard the ad on yeah. the uh, radio the other day. I was we don't pretty know. There's impressed. Bands. We, we've they, got bands behind like us. Jimmy there. Carbone. we got someone from Broken Brewery, Kelso, Six Point. Rachel Wharton from uh, Edible Brooklyn in New York. Love will be up there. Oh, by the and, way. Uh, by sadly, the way. I, I'm just going to say this. i got to give the nod. Yeah. Ray Dieter would have been there with me. And again, let's give one last toast tonight to Ray Dieter. To Ray. Indeed, to our Ray. good friend. Here's to Ray. Yep. And uh, if you're around tomorrow night, Wednesday... Uh, 8 p.m. Uh, go to DBA East Village. There's public hours as well. There's a private memorial service followed by public hours in the evening. Um, check out goodbrewseal.com for more info. I'd like to thank our sponsors at greatbrewers.com. And again, Good Beer Seal, thank you so much. Uh, before I, I, I sign off, we will play a, a, a little tribute to Ray after we sign off. It's called The Best of Ray. You can get that Heritage Radio Network. Uh, Jack Inslee and, and Brie O'Connor, the producers, put together some real nice material. Some of the best, uh, best stuff that Ray had said. So, cheers to Ray, and thanks to Dave, Ron, Mark, and Jimmy. That's me. Oh, Jimmy, this other Jimmy. Jimmy Ludwig and Ben for joining me here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee and Brie O'Connor. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. Cheers to Ray Dieter. Cheers. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. It's with great sadness that we mourn the loss of Ray Dieter, owner of the DBA Bars and co-host of Beer Sessions Radio. Ray made this studio brighter every Tuesday at 5 p.m. with his larger-than-life personality, charm, wit, charisma, and expertise. We hope the archives of Ray on our station will serve as some kind of window into the life of a man who meant so much to those he knew and those he didn't know. And on behalf of everybody here at Heritage Radio Network, we thank you, Ray. Um, and they've been doing that for many, many years. And how do they get that, that barrel of beer? Um, did you ever hear of a place called Beer Mountain? Where's I have that? not, actually. Beer Mountain is a place that I climb every once in a while to find barrels of beer um, for my customers. I go up there. I wear big, heavy boots. I carry a sled with me because there's snow and ice. And, uh, <laughs> and I go to the top of the mountain, and I bring back barrels and bottles of beer for the people at my bars. And that's, that's where I got it from, Beer Mountain. You're awesome, Ray. It's better for growing things. There's just more rain and more, more regular temperatures, not as harsh a winter. Sure. So it just became more economically viable to grow it there. Can I just make a statement? I want to apologize to everybody that asked me why hops weren't grown in New York State because I've told everybody there is a hop light. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled that out of my ass. So why did you open a bar in New Orleans? Well, <laughs> everybody asked that question. The basic reason I opened a bar in New Orleans, um, down there, um, the, a, a bit, well, obviously, it's a drink in town. There's a lot of drink in town. It's also a culinary town. They have some of the best restaurants in the country down there, and uh, people told us we were crazy, bringing a good beer, good whiskey, good drinking concept down to New Orleans because all 
the people wanted was, you know, huge ass buds. And that's all well and fine. And, and there's a lot of fun to be had on Bourbon Street. But there's a lot of shit going on down there away from Bourbon Street. And uh, we opened up DBA in 2000. And uh, we had a, a slow beginning because we had a, a pretty good list and people were like kind of intimidated. But once the restaurant people, the, the, the chefs, the, the service people in the restaurant industry kind of got wind that we were down there and we had a great beer selection, we we got filled up pretty fast. I mean, it worked out real well. And we opened our second place called Mimi's down there. And another aspect about it is down there, you know, a bar owner is a respected member of the community. We, we pay our taxes, we, we employ people, and we're part of the whole trade industry down there, the whole um, tourist industry. In New York City, we're not treated quite the same. And you know that as well as I speak. We're kind of treated as... Uh, we're not a respected member of the business community as bar owners, necessarily. So you like New Orleans. I love New Orleans. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. Ray Dieter, a.k.a. Bootsy Collins, was just on the air. Ray, what was it like in the old days? Did you have a band or something? Bootsy Collins, Ray Dieter, DBA. I, I, I play guitar a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was kind of boring. The beer business is a lot more fun, Jimmy. You're just too cool, man. I love you, man. <laughs> Ray, tell us a Tom Peters story. I know you've known him for years. Yeah, you know, I have known him for years, and all the stories that I have about Tom, I cannot tell you on the radio. How about a general beer theme story, like <laughs> okay, the I first you. time you met him? How about that? Okay. The first time I met Tom, he was running a bar in Philadelphia called... Um, Copa 2. Copa 2. Copa 2, right. And uh, he was... I went down there. DBA was... A brand new bar. We went down there, and uh, he was one of the most generous, wonderful guys. He's like, oh, DBA, I love you guys. Like, how did he hear about us? I have no idea. But he knew who we were, and he treated us like kings. And uh, free food, free drinks, so generous. And then I found out that he didn't own the place. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now. Um, if anyone's offering a course like that, it's a scam. It's, it's, it's <laughs> absolutely I took a course at NYU about opening a bar, and it was just a fallacy. It was just ridiculous. They, they have no idea. Um, they have, it's, it's all about math, too. And, and the math they talk about is really fun, but it's really not pertinent to what you do on a day-to-day living. Um, yeah, we need beer. Can somebody right. open some beer all right, up? I'm all over this. Give me a minute. Give me a My bottle. My glass is empty. <laughs> this is the first show we haven't been drinking beer nonstop. Right. Good. Hey, Ray, how are you? How was your weekend? Uh, you know, my New Year's was fine. Uh, I made a few bad choices, but you're supposed to. Um, that's just what it is. New Year's is about making bad decisions. Um, and I did that. But it, all in all, okay, I, I lived through it. Like I say, we're the only brewery in the world. We have wooden oak casks. So yeah, we yeah, employ yeah, yeah, yeah. When are we going to get some keys? Well, well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's that's the reason. I mean, these these casks, we sell them. We sell them in England. You can't ship these things across the Atlantic Ocean. How about if I we mean, provide the casks? <laughs> even if we provi- we we do provide. The when casks. I say we, I mean by America. Well, I can, um, and by America, I mean Union. <laughs> union <laughs> beer. Cask, cask beer done the traditional way, as we do it, has a shelf life of probably about a week after it. Um, after it's brewed. Yeah, but we after have some casks coming over here. I know the Shelton Brothers brings some casks in. I know that the United Nether Importer brings yeah, some that, casks. I mean, that's fantastic. They're, all, they're well, fine. I'm really glad that you appreciate it. You know, that's that's great for you. That you no have pressure. English cask beer. <laughs> but, I mean, that's... I mean, to be, to be brutally honest, the way that we do things at Sam Smith is that we are... Very, very traditional, and, and mm-hmm. that's that's what our what, what we believe our success is based on is sticking to our sticking to what well, we I mean, do but best. But IPA was made to be sent to India, 
and that's before airplanes and big steamships. I mean, if you really want to be traditional, you can like you know we can get a donkey cart to come around South of Africa or whatever <laughs> on a tramp steamer and bring it over. But I think I think it's time for Samuel yeah. Adam Samuel well, sorry Samuel Smiths <laughs> to be. Available in cask occasionally for special events in in New York. Not, yeah, a lot I, of the, a lot of the beers in England. I mean, uh, most of the breweries, the old old school English ale breweries, would make a barley wine, but it wasn't. They weren't proud of them. It was something that they kept under the shelf, and it was something that like the old guy with a yeah. really greasy red woolly cap in the corner yeah. would get a little glass, and it was like he would get a little bottle of it. It was about six ounces, and he poured into his ale. Yeah, because no nobody would sit there and pound right. barley wine like we do here in America. Right. Yeah. And that barley wine that he was pouring into it was his fortification, ale, yeah. Right. His ale yeah. was about 3.5%. It was a yeah. session beer. And the barley wine back in the day was probably about 6%, 6.5%. Right, right. And, and he didn't want to be seen drinking that because... Only old drunks drank barley wine, but that's a whole old little, profile. Little nip, yeah, yeah. And now, so he would do. He would he would dip that little glass into into his into his ale, and he would drink that. He'd sip that and quietly have a nice day. <laughs> Can't wait to be old. <laughs> <laughs> Finger on the Pole and City Winery are proud to present the Summer Barbecue Blowout Festival, August 6th, from noon to 4 p.m. The barbecue is happening at City Winery, located at 155 Varick Street in New York City. Restaurants featured at this event are Empire Mayonnaise, Van Dag, Momofuku Mopar, Imperial No. 9, Mile End, Mexicu, Kraft, Dizzy's Club, Coca-Cola, The Meatball Shop, and Dos Toros. Providing the soundtrack for the day are Midnight Magic, Pewter Magic, New Villager, Punches, Ducky, DJ Autobot, and the Snacky Tune DJ. VIP and general admission tickets are available at citywinery.com. Finger on the Pole for City Winery would like to thank our sponsors. Heritage Foods USA, New York Magazine, Rake of Vodka, Sonar, Smile, Guilt City, Sub-Zero and Wolf. Please come out and join us for a day of fun, food, and dancing. For more information, go to www.fotpnyc.com. 